0: So our character is, is much more than just our reputation. It's much more than just what others see. Our reputation is what others think about us or, or they see in us, but our character is who we really are are, right? Like when nobody's looking. And so we're going to spend this month talking about character traits. Now we're not going to cover every character trait. We all, we all have a matrix of character traits in us. And some of us have strong characteristics. And then we got those weak ones too that we're working on. And, and I believe this though, that the, over the next five weeks that the character traits that are brought before us uh, are going to be the ones that God wants to, to tap us on the shoulder about. The ones that God's going to, he's going to be our, our, our champion on. He's going to be kind of hollering at us like a drill sergeant saying, come on, you can do this and we're going to grow and stretch in those areas Uh, having good character means doing the right thing just because it is the right thing to do now, how many of you know somebody that uh, that has good character? Come on, wave at me. If you know somebody that's got good character, at least you see, you think they do, right? Then then again, raise your hand if you know somebody that has bad character, right? Bad character, yeah. So, so yeah, we know, yes. Uh, so like if you didn't raise your hand, the person next to you did, they might have been thinking you type thing, maybe, I don't know maybe but we all have this opportunity to have good or bad character i think that personally i think i have some qualities good characteristics good qualities in my character Uh, some of my character traits are 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 bumping the top you know and and then i've got some that i'm working on and everything in between you know it's like we, we all have work to do it's not like yes he is an impeccable man he has all this character but yeah in some ways but then in other areas you may not have character traits that are quality and so our character uh, oftentimes is determined, and this is kind of like the gauge if, you, if you're wondering, well, I wonder if I have good character. Our character is one of those things that determines how we respond to or react to the different circumstances and situations that come to us in life. And so the test of character, the, the, when the pressure's applied, how do I respond? Do I respond the right thing or do i respond by failing or by doing the wrong thing and that's the test of character and the good thing is that god loves us but he loves us too much to leave us the way we are and so he's going to apply pressure and he's going to allow pressure in our lives to test us to show us or prove to us where we need to work and we're on a journey together we need to work, and in this room right here alone, I, I, I can tell you that I know that many of you, many of you grew up in homes where you had good examples of quality character, and, and yet many in this room, you grew up in a home or an environment, or maybe maybe you're through your teen years, maybe at school, maybe you've had experiences that the, the, the character examples in your life were not good, the, the environments did not facilitate quality character, and so you know we all start from a different reference point But the good news is that God is working on us all and bringing us up in our character because God wants us to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. He wants us to respond to situations in life in the right way. Would you agree? Would you agree? Okay, so so how many of you would say, Pastor Mike, please help me today. Holy Spirit, please help me today. I need some help in my character. Come on, just wave at me to know, yes, all right, I'll continue. (laughs) A leadership developer named Jim Rohn said, character isn't something you weren't born with and can't change like your fingerprint. It's actually something you weren't born with and must take responsibility for forming. I want to take responsibility today. And so today we're going to talk about a character trait. I picked a character trait that I thought I could teach on. And when I chose this character trait, um, I thought, man, this is just a good character trait. And then as I really began to study for it, I realized that it, it, it had deeper meaning to me. The character trait that I want to talk to you about today is honesty, honesty. And, and when I first chose it, I'm thinking, yeah, man, because honesty, God, God loves honesty. I think I could teach on honesty. I consider myself to be reasonably honest, you know, to any given day. <laughs> I mean, I do, I really consider myself to be honest. But then as I was studying for this, I realized that, that I, I'm not really honest. I'm not completely honest. Would you like to hear about some of those things that I'm not honest in? I'll tell you what, you go first, you tell me first. <laughs> See how that works? You go first, then I'll tell you, right? No, I think we all have this thing of, well, I could be more honest, I could be more honest. I really believe that we want to be honest. I really believe that we try hard to be honest. But in so many cases, we aren't honest. Colossians chapter three, verse nine says, don't lie to each other. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. But I love what it says here. It says this, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Why do we wanna not lie? Why do we wanna be honest? Because the the old me is dead. We've stripped that off, man, I'm a new me. God has taken me out of the way I was. He's changed my very nature and he's given me his new life and so I'm a new guy. And so the new guy, the goal of the new guy is to be honest and not lie. Stop lying, quit lying. I've gotta quit lying, y'all. You've gotta quit lying. The problem is, the more we try to quit lying, the more we perfect the lie. Because if we're together and you say, man, you need to quit lying, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna quit lying, I'm gonna quit lying. I'm not gonna lie anymore, I'm not gonna lie anymore. I'm, I'm done with lying, man, I'm done with lying, especially here in church, you know? Like, oh no, I, I, I've quit lying. What I'm basically saying is, I've learned how to fool you into thinking I'm not a liar anymore. I'm not lying anymore. Wink, wink, right? And I love this scripture here because it tells us the why. Really, it's because I'm a new person. And to quit lying, to quit living a lie, to quit letting the, the life that I live be a lie, I've got to understand the value of Honesty. And that's what we wanna look into today and kinda of just really unpack a little bit the whole idea of honesty, what it looks like, what it doesn't look like. So help me, let's pray. Father, help me today. Uh, I need help. I need your help. We need your help. Speak to our hearts. Challenge us today. Every individual in this room, God, we pray that you would challenge our hearts, that we would, we would, we would be able to walk away today knowing that, that you're helping us and you're on our side and that we, we can be more Christ-like. Uh, we open our hearts. We open our ears. Holy Spirit, teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. So lying is more than just what we say. Lying is more than just words we speak. Really when we talk about, when we talk about honesty and we're looking at what is honesty, it's more than just telling the truth. It's more than our words we speak. It's actually the actions. Of our lives, the things we do. So when we look at the word honesty, we look at you know, being honest in God's economy, we, we have to understand that we're, we're, we're wanting to be honest in word and deed. We want to be honest in the words we speak, but also in the actions of our life. And so to understand, you know, okay, is that even me? What does that look like? I want, to, I want to kind of unpack the opposite of honesty, which the opposite of honesty is deceit. And deceit is something that uh, I think is bigger than us. It's a cloud that over, overwhelms us or lingers over us. I think the world we live in is in deceit. If you read the news or you watch politicians, you know, you see this uh, in Washington, there's this cloud of deceit. Maybe not everyone, but many are cloaked in this cloud of deceit in their actions and their words. And, and then, of course, you know, uh, if, you, if you look even in the church oftentimes, uh, you know, there's the whole idea when someone would say, you know, that church is full of hypocrites, you know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so true. We are because we're all, we're all fighting this cloud of deceit because we want to be thought of as good, right? Don't you want people to look at you and think, well, that's a good man right there? You know, I mean, you want that. And so you act like it. You present this case like, well, I'm all good. I'm, uh, yes, I love Jesus. Praise the Lord. You know, and, and yet at the same time, you know, on the inside, you may not be right. You may not be uh, on target. You know, so you've, you've got this wrestling match, but it's this, there's this cloud of deceit that's all around us. From the time we're born to the time we die, we're in this cloud of deceit that God wants us to break through. I love how Jesus tells us to let our light shine. So that's our goal is to let our light shine because there's so much darkness around us. And it has a lot to do with being honest, with fighting off deceit. Uh, Groucho Marx, way back guy, said the secret of life is honesty and fair dealing. If you can fake that, you've got it made. And it's so true. So I was studying, looking for uh, an example in the Bible of of honesty, looking for an example of deceit. And I actually found something I'd never really looked at before. And I I think it's super cool. But when you look at the very beginning in Genesis, the the third chapter, you know, you've got this scenario where God is, um, he has created everything, right? It's got and he's got the earth, he's got the moon, the stars, and he's got the, the sun, he's got the animals and the fish and all, everything's perfect, right? Everything's perfect, makes man and, and, and woman and he puts them in the Garden of Eden and dude, they're killing it. They've got, uh, they've got everything they need. They're, they're just blessed. they get got the blessed life, you know? And they're really, it's this, this a good scenario. And then in and then Genesis chapter three, uh, we, we see this. And I'm going I'm to read a couple of scriptures. I don't think it's on the screen, but I'm going to read. Uh, in Genesis chapter three, verse one, it says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Right here we see the first mention of deceit. You can almost say that, that prior to verse one, Uh, that the first two chapters of Genesis was all truth. It was all solid, clarity, honesty. It was an honest life. There was no need for a lie. There was no deceit. And right here, the serpent said to Eve, did God really say? One of the things about deceit is that we question truth. You know that you know that deceit's in the air when you begin to question truth or someone around you begins to question truth. And of course, the, we, the story goes on and she was like, well, you know, he did say and then she added something to what he said. God never said, but she said, you know. He, God said, don't eat. And she said, yeah, he said, don't eat. But he also said, don't touch. And so confusion is in the air when deceit comes forth. And so we see the first mention of deceit. Then in verse 7, um, they, they did. Adam and Eve both uh, took a bite out of the forbidden fruit. And it said at that very moment, verse seven, uh, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And they sewed some fig leaves together. And so when deceit is in the air, there's going to be shame. When you live in a cloud of deceit, there's going to be shame. I, I would venture to say that, that everybody in this room experiences a measure of shame in your life. As a matter of fact, I, I believe that it is the, the shame in our lives that causes us to dwell under a cloud of deceit. We, we don't want people to know where we've been or what we've done. We don't want people to know what's been done to us. We, we're hiding, just like Adam and Eve hid from God. I think, I think we're all hiding. You know, This is this massive game of hide and go seek, right? And, and, and God's looking for us and yet we're hiding from him. Why? Because of the shame. We see that in this story in Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve, they went and they hid. And then, and then we see in verse 12, when God did show up and he was like, Adam, where are you? And he's like, Oh, I'm over here. And, and, and he said, like, why are you hiding? Well, because I was naked and afraid. And God questioned them. And, and this is what God said. What's up with that? And in verse 12, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me. Come on, man. Come on, man. Right, right. It was her, she did it. If it wasn't for her, we'd be all right. You know, I mean, that's what he did then. But it, it goes on because then he asked the woman and, and she was like, well, the serpent deceived me. You know, one of the things about this cloud of deceit is that um, we, we, we don't wanna take responsibility. We don't wanna take responsibility. We challenge truth, we live in shame and we don't wanna take responsibility. Deceit is, is destructive in our lives. It's powerful in our lives. It's very evident in our lives, yet we often live in denial. We don't recognize it, we don't accept it. But when we don't accept it and we don't recognize deceit in our lives, and and, and I'm I'm telling you, every one of us have some deceit around us in our lives. When we don't, it does a couple of things. Number one, it, it keeps us from our potential. Psalm 32 said, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no, what? No deceit. Blessed is the man, there's no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Shame drives us away from God, which ultimately drives us away from our purpose, our God-given purpose, what we live for, what we were designed by God to do. Shame and deceit cause us to not live up to our potential and that's devastating life because if you're not living up to your potential you're not fulfilled in life and you're like a hamster on a wheel you're always scrambling to do better to do more to please god to please others to be happy and you're on this 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 big treadmill and you're you're wearing out you're wearing thin you're perspiring but for the wrong reasons right trying to prove something it's the cloud of deceit Second thing is that deceit pollutes our relationships. In the 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20, God was nailing them out like don't, don't, don't. He said, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. He had to say that in the 10 commandments. He had to say that, it was like a stake in the ground. He had to say that to us because, because when we live under a cloud of deceit, when our life is full of lies, both in what we say and what we do, it hurts others. It hurts the people around us. If you don't get help in this area for any other reason, it's so that you quit hurting the people around you. So you don't hurt your children, so you don't hurt your, your, your spouses, so you don't hurt your parents, so you don't hurt the coworkers and the people you love in your life because when you live under a cloud of deceit, you're not being honest. You're not open to honesty. And you're handicapped in life because God put us in the midst of of his church, he put us, the Bible talks about how he takes the solitary and puts them in the family, We're talking about the local church. We need each other, but you know, we don't need each other with a bunch of lies. Man, I, 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 don't, I don't wanna see you on Sunday morning. You don't wanna come walking in here on Sunday morning. You don't wanna walk, you don't wanna walk in here on Sunday morning and see me. Pastor Mike, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. And constantly live with this facade, this mass. You, you, don't, you don't want that. And the only way you're gonna see the real me, the only way I'm gonna see the real you is if we allow God to pull back this, this cloud of deceit and we begin to be honest in who we are and the things we do and the things that have been done to us and we come clean. I love at Northwood how we do freedom groups and the freedom groups lead into a freedom weekend and through the process of, of getting free, we learn that we've got to be honest. <laughs> And we've got to be able to confess and repent of things that may m- we've done or may have been done to us. But it's how we come clean and get out from under this cloud of deceit so that we can truly walk in honesty. I need people in my life that can be honest with me. And I, and I think that's one of, the, one of the things about living under this cloud of deceit that we all struggle with is that we don't allow anybody in close enough to say the truth. We, 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 we feel like we've got this, you know, we got this and we, we got this little, we got this little, this little area set up that we're, we're comfortable in. And we, we've got our little cardboard box night table and our little lamp and our, our bed and our little nice little area and we're safe, we're safe here, we feel safe here. Yet it's all a facade. If the wind blows, it's going to crumble. And and we don't let anybody in. And and so, so when we talk about relationships and how deceit affects and influences our relationships, it causes us not to allow ourselves to be intimate with others, to be close with others, which would allow them to speak into our life and say, you've got to stop that. You can't do that. Dude, what's up with that? You ask that question to yourself today is there anybody that can truly come in and say something to me that that would be confrontational that would that would cause me to maybe even get mad at them but it but it's good for me is there anybody that can do that in my life if not you may have this cloud of deceit that's cloaking you maybe it's caused by shame maybe maybe it's denying truth but it's there and if that's you you, you, you probably are, you have a good chance of being someone who's hurting other people. Maybe gossiping, maybe, maybe saying things hurtful to other people, maybe wounding them constantly and you may not even know that. Deceit pollutes our relationships. And then the third thing that deceit does, it destroys our relationship with God. Proverbs 19:9 9 says, a false witness will not go unpunished and he who breathes out lies will perish. Now, this idea is, is, it's separation from God. It's, it's distancing us from God. If, if we allow our lives to remain in this cloud of deceit, then it, there's no way to draw near to God. Matter of fact, that's what happened to Adam and Eve. They, they ran from God. They hid from God. How many of you, you know, don't raise your hand, but how many of you would agree you're probably hiding from God? You're running from God. You're not able to press into God. You know, the Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And so many of you, you may not experience God because you're not drawing near to God because you're shameful or you're hiding from God, you're running from God. You've put together some fig leaves. You go to church on Sundays, you're doing your little thing. You might even be lifting your hands and worshiping God, but yet you know deep inside that the real you is not able to be the real you because of something that happened to you that brought shame. And now today you're here with the fig leaves on and you're like, hi, how are y'all doing? You like my fig leaves? I did something different. I kind of pulled it up on the side and tied a knot over here, you yeah. That's not God's best. God's best is honesty. God's best is honesty. And if we're gonna truly experience the freedom that God has for us, if we're gonna let our character grow in the area of honesty, there's a couple of things that we, that we must be willing to do. Number one is, I, I think it starts today is that we've got to be willing to get honest with ourselves. That's really where it all starts, get honest with yourself. John 8, 32, Jesus was talking to his disciples. It could be as if he was talking to us right now. And he said, and you will know the truth, and watch this, and the truth will set you free. Truth is the antidote for deception. Truth is what leads us to a life of honesty. About three years ago, I had a situation where I went to the doctor and got tested for some heart stuff and had, found out I had a 40% blockage in one of my veins on my heart. And, the doctor said do this, 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 and this. And so I began the process and you know, taking some medicine and, and eating much better and, and exercising. But I, I tried the exercise thing. Paul tried going to the gym, right? Every time I go to the gym I get hurt. I mean that's your story. <laughs> it hurts me. <laughs> I go to the gym, pull out my back, you know, go to the gym, hurt my back. I go to the gym, hurt something else. You know, I'm like, man, the gym life is no good, man. It don't work. It don't work, man. And I quit going but I knew I had to do something different. And I, I remember the day, uh, August was, August 1st would be a year ago. I remember the day that Angela came to me and, and you know, in her loving way said, hey, won't, why don't we go do a little short run, you know? Oh, she'd been running for a while and in great shape. I admire her, you know, that's good for you though, right? <laughs> you want know, y'all with me? How many of you ever done that, you know, when you, back before you got saved, people come to you who are Christians? Man, let me tell you about Jesus, man, I love Jesus. He's good for you. I don't want that, no, man, I don't need that church stuff. Bunch of hypocrites. (laughs) So I I was like, well, you know, I'd been saying no, 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 no. And then I said, okay. So we went out and we did a little run and I I, I did okay. As a matter of fact, that day we we actually ended up uh, run walking a total of three miles. And I was huge. You know, I was like, man, you know, and I was huffing and puffing, man. I was, I was perspiring, you know, I was, uh. But I did it, you know, and, and it wasn't so bad, but it was just like, it was something clicked. And so that began a process. So the last, the last 11 months I, I've been running and, and it's getting easier and easier. I was running this past week and I did. I literally thought, man, I can't believe this has gotten so easy, and I've logged in 349.9 miles in the last 11 months. No, that's not true, that's not true. 300 wait, don't clap. 300. 324.9 miles. It's different. So yeah, okay so OK, now now heaven wants to clap for you in the same way, because you have to make the decision, it is for me. I've got to be willing to admit that my way's not working. I've got to be willing to admit, no matter what you're clinging to, man, you might be clinging to offense, you might be clinging to, to, to man, that was not right, injustice, no, it wasn't right. But it has made you a slave to deceit. <laughs> let go, you got to let go. You've got to be willing to look in the mirror and say, God, have your way. But the first step to live in a life of honesty and allowing the character trait of honesty to grow in your life is to, is to be willing to admit it or confess it. If you were here last weekend, Dr. Andy Yarbrough shared with us the two greatest tools that God has given us are forgiveness and confession. And it's so true. Confession starts everything. Being willing to say, I need help because my, my life is a lie. I'm living a life of, of deceit. I'm a fake. And that's not God's best. And when you, when, you, when you breach that decision, when you climb over that, what seems to be a mountain, and you look back, I'm telling you, I look back 11 months later and after all those miles, and I say, wow, I did that. And it's a big deal. I mean, I'm bragging to you today about it, right? Because it's a big deal. I never dreamed that I would do that, and I did it, but it's the same with being honest. It's the same with living a life of honesty. You've gotta get honest with yourself. The second thing, the second thing that really helps, that will really help you today is that you get honest with others. Ephesians 4.25 says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. The word neighbor there is your close companion. I'm not talking about your neighbors. You don't have to go to your neighbors and say, I wanna tell you the truth. I don't like you, and I don't like your dog. He poops in my yard. Can I say that? <laughs> you know, I mean, not that kind of truth. Not that kind of neighbor. A close companion. I don't know, I don't know if you have a close companion. I hope you have a close companion. Close companions are, are, are so valuable in life. Someone, a confidant, someone that you can talk to. A girlfriend, a boyfriend. Like if you're a girl, girlfriend, that kind of thing. Um, a guy, not a boyfriend guy. That's kind of weird. I'm stopping there. So help me out, Amber. <laughs> It allows for words. No, someone, a man in your life, if you're a man, a woman in your life, if you're a woman, someone that you can say, man, I'm really, I just need to say some things. Can I get this off my chest? And someone to listen, someone to hear you. But, but you, begin to, you begin to get honest with the people in your life. I love small groups. We've got small group intensives coming up this summer and then in the fall, again, small groups have been amazing here at Northwood. And, and, and some, of you, some of you are here today, the fruit of small groups and the, the environments this small group create that, are, that create honesty. I can't tell you, I, I, I love coming to the Gulfport location and speaking and because I get to talk and, and get to hang out before and after. And I, I tell you, more and more I hear people say, man, I want to tell you, you know who really influenced my life? And they'll name people. You know, one of the, I, I'll brag on somebody here, one of the greatest, uh, the names I hear the most is James Wilson. James Wilson, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like... So like James has been been leading small groups for years, and he's he's been that guy for so many people. Matter of fact, guys, if you don't have a guy in your life that that can listen to you and you just be be like a confessor for you, and that, that you'd be able to be honest with, you know, James is available, right? You get cards and all that. <laughs> but have somebody. But then to be honest with those around you. Now I'm not saying you go home and you spill the beans to your spouse or or to your parents, right? Like today, I mean, think through that and 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 and. But it but it but it is. Once you admit it and you're honest with yourself, you've got to become honest with your closest confidants, your people around you. There has to be an environment where you can say, man, I've been holding on to this offense for so long and it has is, it is brought this cloud of deceit in my life. And honesty promotes a healthy culture. Honesty, if we could be honest as a church, God could do so much in our lives, man, can imagine the healing that could come in our lives, the healing that we could experience. And then as we're healed, we can help others be healed. I think that's even James's story, is that he, God healed him because he was honest. And through that, he was able to be used by God to help others. And there's so much healing in being honest with one another. And Ephesians 4, it says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. When we're honest and we're willing to be honest, both in receiving, but also in giving, you know, speak the truth in love. And we, we've abused that so much, you know, and it's like, I'm going to tell her because I got to speak the truth in love, you know, and we just, just get up in people's business at, without an invitation, right? But, but when we're, we're in a relationship where honesty is flowing, number one, we can speak into people's lives and, and literally rescue people from hell. That's a big deal but then also that that we can invite people to do the same in us. You're not gonna grow hiding out in your little comfort spot. You're just gonna be there. You're gonna just be there and it's just gonna be like no growth. But when you begin to be honest in your relationships, all of a sudden God's gonna bring people in your life or he's gonna use the people in your life to speak truth and be honest with you and it's going to challenge you and you're going to grow. I can't say enough about that. The last thing is we've got to be willing to get honest with God like he doesn't already know, right? And there's something about God. You know, I, I see that in Genesis chapter three. There's something about God where, I don't know if you want to call him a gentleman or maybe he just lives, because he, 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 he is truth. He is the truth and he, he is the epitome of honesty. He's everything. He's that package deal. And so there's something about God, even when he came to Adam and Eve, Now you know, as well as I know, if you know anything about God, you know he knew where Adam was, okay? He wasn't on a search and rescue mission. He wasn't calling in the angels like, man, I need some help down here. I can't find Adam, you know? He knew where he was, yet at the same time, he he didn't just bust up in there and say, what's wrong with you? God loves us and, and he wants us to engage this idea of an honest life. He wants us to be a participant in this. And so he said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Like a good daddy would do and their child of three is hiding from them. I can't find you, you know? And he gave Adam the opportunity to say, here I am, and to step out of the shadows. Okay, I, I see that as an example for me. I gotta be honest with God. I can't play some church game. I can't, I can't do the religious duties, you know. I prayed today and I read my one year Bible today. I can't go through all the motions and not be honest with God. God was looking at the deception that had happened. Wasn't caught off guard. He knew the serpent. He saw it happen. He saw it all go down. And yet he was waiting for Adam to be broken. He was waiting for Adam to be honest. He was waiting for Adam to step up and say, take some responsibility. Adam didn't do that. And yet God's grace was still there. His mercy was still there. As an example for you and I, he's going to treat you the same way with the same grace and the same mercy. When you get honest with God and you say, you know what, God? I'm just ashamed and afraid. And then God can really he took, he took the fig leaves and he said, give me that, that's nasty, <laughs> give me that. I don't know where you got that, but you ain't wearing that. And he sewed them this covering of animal skin that covered their shame. And you know, you're here today and you got shame. Look, I, I guarantee you, everybody in this room got a little bit of shame, right? A little measure of shame we're not proud of our lives if it were truth be known, right? And then when we're honest with God, he's able, he's able to do something that, that we can't do in our own strength. He's able to cover us, to cover our shame, that allows us to be intimate with Him. The character trait of honesty, to me, is the highest form of intimacy. That could exist, and I say that because in my in my shame, in my deception, in my inability to cover that with fig leaves in my own way, God came in and He stripped that back and He and He covered me with the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. He covered me with with what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus willingly gave his life thinking about you. With the same heartbeat that beat in God's chest for Adam, he, he willingly gave up his life for you to wash away your shame and to allow you to stand up tall as a son and a daughter of God and be honest, to put away the deceit, to put away the lies, to be honest, and to live in a life or an environment of honesty. He did that for me, he's done that for many of you, and he will continue to do that for you if we'll stay honest with God. Man, I need to pray that right now for me, and I, I, I think you probably do too for you, so why don't we get alone with God, just all over the room. Just get along with God and I just want to take a moment to to really maybe get honest with myself, get honest with ourselves, and then to get honest with God. Well Father, we we are so much like Adam and Eve. are so much like so many others who allowed the deceit around us to drag us in, like the serpent did in Genesis chapter three. For many in this room, that's all we've ever known, that's all we've ever lived. But today is a good day to be honest and to say, yep, that's me begin the process of doing it your way instead of our way. God, I pray for those that are hurt here today that this, this message is so challenging and the grip that they have on their comfort and their safety and protection that they've built is is so tight, but I pray today, God, that they would loosen that grip and allow you to take away from them their fig leaf and put on Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you would be saved. And when I read that, I, I, I see so clearly that you would be saved from your own fig leaf. And the life that you've built, you'd be saved from that and covered in Christ. So Father, I pray that for me, I pray that for us. I pray that for those who've never said yes to Jesus. We're here today and maybe they're desperate, maybe they're ready, or maybe they're watching online and they're sitting in their house or sitting wherever they may be in their, their hotel room or they're, or they're driving in their car and they're watching. I, I know, God, that there's this, there's this moment we have to come to where we say, I'm done. Where we step out of the shadows, God, let that be today. Where we step out from behind the tree and say, here I am, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for that grace. that changes everything. Nobody's looking around right now. If you're here today and that's you and you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to get out from behind the tree. I'm ready to give it all to God. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. He's here today. He's here today because he loves you. He's not mad at you, he's madly in love with you. If that's you, we're gonna pray a simple prayer to confess what's already in our heart. And if you wanna be a part of that prayer, I I encourage you right now, if you wanna be a part of this prayer, acknowledge your God today. Say yes to Jesus by simply slipping up your hand and putting it right back down. Say, Pastor, that's me. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. 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 Yes. God bless you, ma'am. Somebody else, you say, I want to be a part of that prayer, Pastor. I'm ready to do this. Yes. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. I saw that hand. Yes. God bless you. Yes. Yes. God bless you. Yes. And I have to believe God's smiling right now. truth is coming forth, deception is leaving. If you raise your hand, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, you raise your hand today. If you're ready to be a part of this prayer. It's, it's not about fancy words, it's just a cry of your heart. Here's what I wanna do, I want us to all together, I want us to read this prayer together. We're gonna to put it up on the screen. So everybody just look up real quick at the screen. And I want you to say this out loud, say it with your mouth together, say this, say, God, I need you and I'm tired, I'm doing things my way. Help me to start doing things your way. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I commit to live my life for you. I repent of my sins. Right now, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Fill the emptiness in me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to trust you. Help me to love you. Help me to live for you in Jesus' name. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.